Happy first Everybody Stay Home anniversary, you guys! This week, we hit you with a big old grilled cheese sandwich, a reminder about respecting yourself, some excitement about Texas Frightmare Weekend, and then we go where things get ugly. Really ugly. And probably smelly, too. The alt-right filth in fandom. Who told these jackholes they were allowed to like cool stuff? of my things I really wanted to do this year was do more cooking stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to talk about grilled cheese. Yay. Benton in the kitchen are crying in the bedroom all night. So as usual, I'm going to talk mostly about technique. I'm not giving recipes because recipes you can look up online and that's where people get nervous. When they look at a recipe and go, oh my God, it's a thousand steps, even though it isn't. It's like, nope, this is actually incredibly easy. I'm embarrassed that I didn't start making grilled cheese until my late 40s. And it was all because I was cooking for my parents a lot and I was trying to come up with things to do that were special for them. And the first grilled cheese I ever made was actually a very complicated grilled cheese, which I will give the ingredients of later because it's so fucking good. But first, I'm just going to start with the basic idea. Now, now, Penny, you you make grilled cheese sometimes. You you know how to do it. Again, yeah, and it was funny because when you said you didn't start doing it until your 40s, I really didn't start actively doing it until I was cooking at the nursing home all the time. <laughs> it makes a difference. Actually, having oh, to cook yeah. for other people kind of forces you to, you know, really think about it. Because my mom used to make them and it was like a treat. But it was not something I don't think I ever did until the nursing home. And then I started making them. Although there's a little special something that I will share later that I stole from a deli that I used to work at that I that I still make. That's one of my favorite things. And it's a weird combination, but it's really, really good. But we will share that later. That's that's the thing I love. (laughs) That's the thing I love about grilled cheeses is that once you have the technique down, it's all about just, you know, tweaking things a little bit. So for anyone who's never done it, first I want you to just visualize building a sandwich. Just a sandwich. We're not doing anything special right now. You put down a piece of bread. You put fillings on your bread, then the other piece of bread on top. That is not complicated. And that is really like 90% of what you're doing when Mm -hmm. you're making a grilled cheese. You're still just making a sandwich. Now you're going to imagine a medium to medium hot skillet and you're going to build the sandwich in there. So, you know, and then after, you know, you build your sandwich and then you flip the sandwich over. I mean, that, that's not too scary. So in more detail, the basics, you take, you take your first piece of bread, you butter one side of it. And you, you put the bread in the skillet with the butter side down. 
Now you're not putting, you know, a normal sandwich, you would be smearing something on the inside. You don't have to because you're going to have the melty cheese. And you want the melty cheese to stick to the bread. So you don't want to have a barrier. So anyway, butter side down in the skillet. While that bread is starting to toast up in the in the skillet, you're going to start stacking cheese. You're going to put your cheese on the bread. And you're going to keep an, keep an eye on it while you're buttering one side of another piece of bread. And when your cheese starts to get melty, you put the other bread on it, butter side up. Because the next thing you're going to do is spatula turn that sandwich over. You don't have to do like a big giant flip. You literally just pick it up and lay it down. Don't freak out. Lay it down. Toast that side. Boom. You're done. Grilled cheese. And the first one you make, you're probably going to make it a little burnt or it's going to look burnt or it's not as melty as you want. All of that comes with practice. But even, even a messed up grilled cheese is still delicious. So just fucking eat it. Oh, God, yeah. You didn't ruin it. It's fine. You're just not going to take a picture of that. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You know, that just triggered a funny memory. Remember Hilda, why I was just a bitch about with her weird things about food? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, she loved the most basic of things, and she loved when I made grilled cheese. But one day she was in the kitchen watching me make grilled cheese. Right. She's like, oh, my God. What are you doing with all that butter? I can't believe you're putting all that butter on there. Oh my God! What are you doing, flipping it over with the butter? What? Did, how does she think it happens? I don't know. <laughs> and I was just like, Hilda, go sit down. This is how I do it all the time, and you like it. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, bitch. Shut up. Go back and sit. Yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. Oh, and, and since I mentioned the burnt, uh, a quick tip: if you're making more than one, good idea in between sandwiches to quickly get a paper towel, kind of. Wipe out the skillet. Don't burn yourself. Just kind of wipe the cr- the crumbs and whatever out. Because yeah. that residual butter left over from the first sandwich is still cooking and is getting brown. So when you... And it gonna, it's going to get darker and darker the longer you go. And it will leave unattractive looking residue. It'll make yes. the sandwich look burnt yes. even when it's not. So you, you could feasibly think, oh my God, I burnt this. And then you realize you barely cooked it. It just got really yeah, brown. I remember yeah. that from having to make, you know, a dozen. Right. <laughs> and if you've got like, you know, if you if you've got like an electric griddle, which I got as a as a wedding present, and I don't get it out very often. It's basically when we make pancakes. But if I was gonna make a bunch of grilled cheese, I think I would do it on an electric griddle. Because yeah. it's flat, there's no sides to navigate, there's plenty of room. Anyway. Oh, my boss was too cheap to buy that for us. Oh it was like if it was more than $4 at Walmart for a cooking implement, we did not have well, it. Well, you know, I don't know if I would have necessarily, I mean, I might have, like, now I might buy one for myself, but back in the day, I don't know if I would have bought one, but I did get it as, as a wedding present from my dad's yeah. cousin who barely knew me. It's it's the weirdest thing when you remember wedding gifts you got and you remember who gave you what. Like every every time I see that that griddle, I'm like, oh, that came from Joanne. You know. Yeah. Aww. Anyway. And let me just say too, for the Verity Noslins out there, <laughs> because yes, she used to do this. Oh, no. Getting the Wonder Bread and putting one slice of American cheese because two would be too expensive because it's using food. Oh my god. And then wrapping it in a paper towel and throwing it in the microwave. <gasps> 
that is not the same as a grilled cheese sandwich. That is a mess. It's, that's not even putting it on a like a cookie sheet and putting it in the oven. That's toasted. Yeah. But that's what Verity Noslin used to do for grilled cheese. It was one slice of American. God damn it. And then two Wonder Breads wrapped. And then, of course, it would always, yeah, so don't do no, that that's either because it's that's not disgusting. the same. <laughs> that's anyway, disgusting. Anyway, go on. Okay. So, apart from just, you know, basic technique shit, tip number one, use mayo instead of butter. And I know I just said to use butter, but there's something about mayo because of the oil and egg or whatever i mean teach yourself to do it with butter use your butter your margarine whatever but mayo try it with mayo instead there's something magical about it it adds a level of flavor that you just do not expect and it's wonderful i've never even heard about that it's so good until from you yeah so i'm very intrigued one time i didn't have very much butter like, I had good butter, but I didn't have, I was down to, like, the last little bit of it. So what I did was I took the butter and I put it in, like, a little ramekin and put it in the microwave to melt it. And then I put a squeeze of mayo into it and mixed. So the combo of butter-mayo, divine. Fucking divine. It's so good. And another thing about the the buttery mayo part, make sure you go all the way to the edge of the bread. There mm-hmm. is something extra special about that crispy, crunchy edge around the edge of the bread crust. Dude, I mean, it's just so good. Also, if you just don't feel comfortable like, oh, but this bread is too soft, I'm too lazy to soften the butter first before spreading it on or whatever because you don't want to rip up the bread, you could just put the butter in the pan and melt it. But make sure you use enough because that bread's going to soak it up. And so that, you mm-hmm. know... That's another thing you can play with. And you also, if you have like a pool of butter, that butter is going to crisp up the edge of that bread. So good, you guys. Oh, my God. And speaking of bread, um, make sure you use good bread. Like if you if you want to go with something really, really soft, then like I said, you're going to have a hard time smearing stuff on it. Like something like the Wonder Bread. You know, Wonder Bread is good, but I, I prefer something a little firmer, like a sourdough. Some people think sourdough is a terrible idea because it has holes in it a lot and you don't want the cheese to ooze out. But if you're, if the whole sandwich is just fucking better. Oh, I think that would be good if the cheese moved, oh, yeah. like merged into the holes of the right. bread. That sounds good to me. Losing a little bit of cheese through a hole is worth having your sandwich made on sourdough for God's sake. And they make like store-bought, you know, loaves of sourdough that are sourdough-ish, but not, like, fully Mm -hmm. proofed, so they don't have the big bubbles in them. You know, you can get something that's sourdough-ish. You know, go go that way. Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah? Yes. I've only been in a Trader Joe's, like, once in my life. (laughs) Um, I I like, now, I know you don't like breads that are grainy, breads that are kind of seedy, but I... I made a grilled cheese using that Ezekiel bread and um, it was kind of weird, but God damn it. Like, you know, when you toast or grill that Ezekiel bread, all the, anything that you like about it, if you do like it becomes a hundred times better. It's just so fucking good. But you know, that's, you know, go with something that you like, whatever you like, go with that rye, pumpernickel, whatever. Another tip, be patient. 
it, and it, this kind of goes along with learning as you go, that the more you make a, the more you practice, the more you know how long it takes because. Oh yeah. It's not instant. Yeah. The, and the because you, you think it is. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. If, if the, if it was just the bread laying in there, you could pick it up and look. But once you lay the cheese on it, you you can't keep messing with it. So you just have to trust, okay, it's time to flip. I mean, you can flip it back over again if you really have to. But really, it's you're fine. Generally, once the cheese starts to get melty, it's probably long enough. But one thing, if you're concerned that you think the bread is cooked enough but the cheese isn't melting yet, uh, get like a pot lid. I mean, it's like it's a skillet, but get some kind of a pot lid and either, depending on the size, either you can sit it on there or you can just hold it over it to kind of trap heat in, to mm-hmm. kind of speed up the melting process. That's that's a little helpful tip, too. Um, although, speaking of cheese, be aware that some cheeses just me- are meltier than other cheeses. Like a, a hard, thick slice of cheddar, as delicious as it is. It ain't going to just melt like you sprinkled some mozzarella on there, you know? Yeah. And you can Google what cheeses are more melty, but in a pinch, the reason why it gets American cheese all the time is because that shit is basically made to melt. That is the really only good quality of American cheese, you know, American processed cheese food, is that it's only barely solid to begin with. It melts instantly. You You get your American. You get provolone is good mozzarella even you know gruyere you know shit like that you can even go with shredded cheese as long as you're not afraid of losing a little when you flip you know you can oh i've done that yeah the shredded cheddar yeah will Mm -hmm. will melt in a way that a solid brick of cheddar just absolutely won't and a special little kind of a cheat pro tip from me especially if you're dealing with cheeses that aren't necessarily as melty or you just want to kind of make absolutely sure that it's melty, you can you can stack your cheese on a plate and stick it in the microwave for a little bit, like right around when you first put that yeah. bread in there. And then you can scoop the, mel- the, more, the meltier cheese off of the spatula and lay the already melting cheese onto your bread you know, play with that. If you're, you know, I actually did it once with slices of cheddar. Um, but I also like use some Havarti and I think I had some, Oh, it may have been shredded mozzarella may have been what I put in the middle, but I just wanted to have a bunch of different cheeses. And that way, um, I just sort of put the shredded cheese in between two other pieces so that it all kind of merged before I, you know, so I didn't have to worry about cheese flying out you know and you can use your little spatula if it starts to spread you can use your little spatula to square it up you know to to fit on your bread so that's some basic knowledge none of that is hard and it's fun and you get to eat what you make so just fucking go make some grilled cheese you know right as soon as you're done listening to this because it's easy yeah and you know and i used to work at this deli which i'm not gonna say what deli it was this was god this was a long time ago i was gonna say i'm trying to remember you working at a deli it was right after the earthquake oh in santa the loma prieta earthquake because i got stuck i couldn't go to work right when i was working at ross because i was waiting for the ross store to open up right in the other side and the, the, uh, mudslides had 
completely demolished the highway, so I couldn't get to work. Yeah. So I had to work at this deli for about six months, and they had, and I remember thinking it was weird, but it was good. They had this grilled cheese that was on dark rye, which I never liked dark rye before that. I I love it. It was on dark dark rye, and it was a layer of Swiss Mm -hmm. with raw red onion. Ooh. And a little bit of bean sprouts. And then on top of that was a layer of cheddar. But on both sides of the bread was mustard. So was the mustard, the mustard was on the outside? Like, no, on the inside. Oh, it was just, On the okay. inside. Yeah. And oh my God, that thing was so good. It was like, I still make that sometimes. Oh my God. It is really, really good. That's awesome. I have two variations I want to talk about. One is the one that was the very first grilled cheese I ever made. So when I when I wanted to make these sandwiches, I was looking for things, ways to use leftover cranberry sauce because it was right after Thanksgiving and I make really good cranberry sauce. So this was how I found this recipe. And it uses like a schmear of cranberry sauce um, on sourdough with brie, yummy soft brie, really thin slices of apple and I used like Gala or Fuji and white wine was supposed to be brushed onto the bread. Well, I'm lazy. I, I barely follow recipes as it is. My thing was as I was cutting up the, the apple, I didn't want it to brown. So I just put a little, a little, a little blob of white wine into a bowl and threw the slices of apple in there until I was ready for them. Oh, that sounds good. Cause it's too much work to brush. the and, bread. Uh, have a brush well i don't need one more thing to wash for god's sake and then you just have a bowl of wine later that you can drink but (laughs) but so i mean that was that was delish i mean brie is all already halfway melted when you get there and just that combination to die now this one i was looking for other variations just because lately i've been on kind of a kick and i found this one that pitney will die for because it's so pitney. So as I read, okay, I know that you're going to do this. Salami and pickle grilled cheese. Oh, see, yeah, that sounds perfect to me. <laughs> now you can use like Havarti or Gruyere. Mm-hmm. Havarti is easier to find. And you can also find Havarti in slices. Like Gruyere, if they made sliced Gruyere, I'd eat it all the time. Sliced dill pickles, like those sandwich stackers that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of lay them on a paper towel for a minute to kind of get the extra brine off because wetness just makes a mess and like really thin sliced, like going to the deli really nice and thin sliced salami. And I would definitely put the cheese on both sides, but can you just imagine like the, the pickle melted into the cheese? That sounds Holy good. Shit. You know, and I've made, I've made quesadillas with salami. Oh fuck. Yeah. And it's really oh good. Yeah. Because really, that's one of those things. It's like, I mean, because you could basically make a grilled cheese that's a pizza. You could go yeah. pepperoni and mozzarella because that's all. And, and like you could smear it with like tomato paste and yeah. just pretend it's a pizza that's like folded. It's just, you know, it's so easy and it's so good. And it's like you've just opened yourself up to a whole new world of grilled cheese. Grilled yes, cheese! amen. <laughs> the year of self-care. How are you doing? 
feel like the world is harsh in your buzz? Like people keep treating you like shit? Sounds like you need some self-respect. Damn it, Amelia, we thought this year you were going to talk about taking bubble baths and stuff. Why are you making me so uncomfortable? Baby, if you're uncomfortable right now, that probably means you need this shit. Deep breath. Let's go. Let's talk about boundaries. Not barriers. You're not building a wall around yourself, but boundaries. Think of a fenced-in yard. That's a physical stay-out barrier. Or stay-in if you have a dog. Look, I didn't say it was a perfect metaphor. But compare it to neighbors having separate yards, but there's just a property line dividing them. Nothing preventing you from stepping into their yard, except an agreement. A level of trust that you respect each other enough to stay on your side. If you really trust each other, you're not peeking out the window all the time, trying to catch them stepping over that line, right? That expression, strong fences make good neighbors, really only makes sense if the neighbors are kind of distrusting jerks. Now think about emotional boundaries. Lots of examples of those out there. It could be as simple as preferring that someone you're barely acquaintances with call you by your last name. Good morning, Mr. Bandersnatch. How are you today, Madam Beaverhausen? Or preferring that certain topics not be discussed with you, for whatever reason. Or preferring not to have physical contact with someone to whom you haven't given expressed permission. The foundation of any boundary is self-love and self-respect. By establishing a boundary, you are declaring that your comfort has value, that your feelings matter, that you respect yourself enough to declare your own sovereignty. Ooh, you fancy. I learned this sort of backwards. About a year ago, I wrote the rules of engagement that a guy and I would operate under from that point forward. It wasn't that we were no longer to interact and he was to stay the hell away from me because that would be a barrier. No, this was just an agreed-upon boundary. Well, his agreement was sort of enforced by a little bit of because I said so, but he knew why it had to be there, and he showed his agreement by, well, avoiding me. But that was his choice. There were limited circumstances in which we would interact, and I guess he decided that he'd just rather not. No fence, just a line. When I established this boundary, I was protecting myself from further hurt and abuse. At the time, I didn't realize a few really basic things. That people learn how to respect me by how I respect myself. And that by not having boundaries, I was basically telling people that the doors weren't locked and feel free to rummage around in my drawers. I mean, no, that's not... Look, you know what I mean. I was being disrespected because I allowed it. And I showed the world I would allow it by not respecting myself. When I hurt, I allowed myself to continue to be hurt by not doing anything to stop it. If he had stabbed me with a fork, I would have slapped his hand and said no. But I allowed myself to be emotionally 
fork stabbed by just being sad and moody for a bit and not telling him to cut it the fuck out because you hurt me and you will never do that again, capiche? I wasn't saying anything because I didn't want him to get upset, which means I was putting his feelings above mine, which is bullshit that I will never do again. And I started noticing that I did that a lot in different ways with different people. I would put their feelings above mine, their happiness, their fears, their sorrow. And while I might get a momentary bit of, oh, thank God, relief by not having to deal with unpleasantness just then, ultimately, I dealt with a lot of misery on my end. Well, not anymore. God, I love therapy. Now, everything isn't as dramatic as getting stabbed in the fields with a fork. But we could all do with a bit of navel-gazing and figuring out how to better show the world that we matter. So let's dip beneath the bullshit and look around. How do people treat you? Do you wish they'd stop? Well, make them. And remember, if you lay down a boundary with someone and they get pissed off, that means it was a boundary you really needed. I know, it feels really uncomfortable, but it'll get easier. Deep breath. (sighs) So, oh my God, it was so exciting yesterday. I was supposed to be working. But, you know, I'm working at home. No one can see me. So I pick up my phone for a second and I opened up Facebook. And the very first thing that comes up is a post in the Texas Frightmare Weekend fan group. Someone posted, did anyone else get a, a hotel cancellation notice from from the Hyatt? And it started me on this little thing where all of a sudden I find out that Frightmare had just rescheduled again. Because everybody, you know, if you mm-hmm. listen to the show, you know that last year... Frightmare was supposed to happen in May. It got rescheduled to September. Then that didn't happen. It was going to be May 2021. And and I was already starting to panic. I mean, Pitty and I were already talking about like, oh my God, is this even going to happen? And now boom, it's September. It starts like September 9th, I guess, or the 10th. Well, we go up the 9th. Either way, it's Thursday. And and I'm utterly not surprised (laughs) that they had to move it, you know. But the thing was that all the people who were booked into the hotel's under the Frightmare con rate with the, those blocks of rooms, uh, the Hyatt, because the Hyatt knew about it before the people did, so the Hyatt was just canceling reservations. Well, what happened was I had so much trouble. Like, you know, it's it's moved twice already, and I was having trouble getting getting a reservation under the con rate, so I was having to use my government employee rate, which is still a good rate, but we're not part of the con block. So um, for for this May, I had us booked in the Hyatt Grand, which is a very nice hotel. That's also Hyatt has a lot of hotels in DFW Airport, and uh, the Con is at the Regency, but the Grand is the Shishi Poopoo. But we could get I could get a room in the Grand for only slightly more than um, then, than yeah. the Regency because I was getting my special rate. Well. I when I saw that it was like less than two minutes before I saw that post 
Frightmare had announced that they were changing the dates. So very few people knew it. So I fucking swooped in and I got us rooms at the Regency. You know how long it's been since we've been in the con hotel for Frightmare? I know, because what they sell out in, what, five minutes? Easily or less. I mean, it's like Frightmare has become so huge. It is, yeah. It is insane. We haven't been there yeah. for years. I mean, yeah. and we'll stay in places that have shuttles that go there and whatever, and they do whatever they can do to make it as convenient as possible. But nothing is as convenient as being in the hotel. Exactly. Especially oh God, yeah. if you want to do a costume, which I really want to. I, 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 I keep going back and forth. Like, do I want to? Do I want to do a costume and then possibly not go to the con? But I think I do want to do, I want to, I want to be princess from Walking Dead and people who watch Walking Dead know who I'm talking about. And if you know me, then you know that the second I laid eyes on princess, I went, oh, there's my next costume because she's awesome. I know. And I don't watch that show, but I remember you sent me pictures of that. And you were like, oh, fuck yeah. And I was like, oh God. Yeah, that's absolutely. (laughs) It's just a great outfit. The only problem is it involves a big furry faux fur coat and it's so fucking hot and so fucking crowded at Frightmare, which brings me to the to the next point, which is oh god that, you know, last year it was just like, oh, my God, it was so not going to happen because there was no vaccine. There was no nothing, you know. T- being in Texas, the con is in Texas. So most of the people who go are in Texas, even though people come from all over the world. It's all asses and elbows. I mean, it is. It is so tight in there because there's so goddamn many people and the temperature is easily 20 degrees warmer than it should be Oh, it's because there's so goddamn many people. And, you know, it's a con. So good luck getting people to bathe, let alone making sure that people are, you know, washing their hands enough or wearing their masks or, you know, whatever. But, but Frightmare is being very, they haven't really said anything about vaccines yet, but they have said things like, Look, you have to wear a mask if you're going to be in there because you're literally in everyone's face because there there is no six foot. Oh, no, there's like not even a yeah. foot. <laughs> Most of the You time. are rubbing yeah. up against people constantly because you're just there is no room to move. That's just how it is. But like six months ago or so, someone posted in the Frightmare fan group, would Frightmare consider requiring proof of vaccination? As like, a, if you're going to get your badge, like when you sign in, you should, you should show, you should be willing to show, look, I'm clean, you know? And oh my God, the people who lost their fucking minds and basically Ugh. acted like anyone who thinks that showing proof of vaccination is a good idea is clearly a fascist. And it's like... I can't understand, of course, I also can't understand the people who refuse to wear masks. And I can't understand, it's like, you just do what you have to do because we live in a civilized society. Exactly. You know, I can't, I can't force you to wash your ass, but I would really, really like you to, you know, I mean, there's just things, but I don't, cons are different. Like, you know, if you're within six inches of another person's face almost the entire time, don't you want to be sure? Oh God, that, yes, yeah. That you can trust that the person next to you isn't breathing, you know, deadly pathogens on you. I mean, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I don't understand it. Well, you know, but the scary thing too is that 
you know, so the the vaccination will prevent you from getting deathly ill if you get it. It doesn't keep you from but getting it's not, it. Right. But it's not proven that it's going to prevent you from carrying right. it. And so these stupid anti-vax people that didn't go into that setting. Oh, my God. And you know that there's there has to be a subconscious thing. Well, all the reasonable people are going to be vaccinated, which will make me safe, so I don't have to be vaccinated, so I can be an asshole. Which do, which isn't how it works. But the fact of the matter is, we're vaccinated, but we can still we don't know, but we still might be able to give it to them, right? Because that's 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 the thing, and that's why, you know, I, I read a thing, and I, we're not going to talk about this no. for a long time because this would no. go on, but. I read a thing. It actually made me cry because I was so frustrated. I read a thing where Dr. Fauci said that we may be wearing masks way into 2022. I totally believe it. And it literally made me so frustrated. I cried. But that's because your job is out there. You're, yeah. you're out there with people. You have to wear a mask constantly. But that's because us people that have vaccinated, we're protected, but other people aren't. Right. And I don't want to be responsible for getting somebody sick, right. even though I'm protected. Right. That's the thing. And and that's the part that the the number one thing with the people who are like, it's my body. I shouldn't have to do anything. It's like, but everything isn't fucking about you, Karen. Well, yeah, and they can shut the fuck up and stay home and jack off to QAnon videos, right? You know, like, I, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read because I did a little poll on Twitter, and it's still, it's still ongoing as of this recording. But right now, even though several people have told me they accidentally clicked yes when they meant no. I, I didn't realize I worded the question weird. I, I worded it, would it bother you if, you know, your favorite convention required proof of COVID immunization or some equivalent in order mm-hmm. to attend? And so people thought, yes, I would still go and clicked yes, even though I asked, would it bother you that they required it? Oh, I see. So okay. even though right now 72% say no, it's actually more like 85% say no based on the number of people but and i and i invited people to have a discussion and i will discuss things with people as long as they're not being an asshole and when a guy starts off with well if they require proof of vaccination i will never be able to go to one why would they penalize people who aren't afraid of covid oh okay if he had just said the first sentence we could have had a normal conversation, but now he's basically going, just cause you're afraid and I'm not, doesn't mean I have to do something. And he's like, I don't worry about that. I have a strong immune system. Why punish people who have strong immune systems? And he's, and his thing was, if you're afraid, you should be the one staying home. And it's like, I, cause I kept saying, I have a strong immune system too, but not everyone in my life has a strong immune system. Ugh. It's like, it's not about me. It's about who I could give it to. Oh yeah. my God. Like, does I assume this guy has no friends yeah, and family. Yeah, because he could still give it to other people. But, you know, I bet he's oh, a probably. goddamn Trump supporter. 
because all those people like that are, and they don't care about anybody else but themselves. I'm, I'm, I'm checking. I'm checking to see. Well, apparently he's very anti-pineapple pizza, so fuck that guy. Um, yeah, he's clearly a jerk. Oh my god, but apparently... Oh, gross. Appar- he has a lot of, of retweets on his Twitter feed that are Rocky Horror themed. Like, probably oh, really? his local Rocky Horror cast. That's kind of what it looks like that he's supporting. And it's like, of course, because of course, because as we are learning more and more every day, the people you've been going to cons with all these years, some of them are pretty fucking scary. Oh yeah. And I've actually known homophobic Rocky fans. Oh God. It's mind blowing. I, I, I know that makes no sense. Right. But I know, you know, I know you've seen it. Yeah. There are homophobic Rocky fans. And even like when you go like back in the day when, because you know, anything that happens in New York, the people in New York think that they're the only ones that do things and they're the only valid version of anything. And so when it was decided (laughs) to make a audience, the audience participation album for Rocky horror, this is not going to be a Rocky Horror discussion. But no, 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 no. It no. was decided, of course, we would record that in New York. Never mind that the longest running, continuous Rocky Horror local cast thing is in Austin, Texas, yeah. not in New York. Fuck you. That is the truth. But no, we're going to record it in New York. So we have to hear. And that's when everyone around the country goes, wow. Every area has their own fucking lines. Like there's certain things that we tend to do the same, but wow, New York, all of their lines, even though this was recorded in what the mid eighties, I think all their lines still sound like they came from 1976. Yeah. Cause it came out, it came out when I was in high school. Cause I remember listening to it on my Walkman. Oh, I know. I totally made my own tape of it. To listen on my Walkman. And I remember it, I would be like, literally this happened. I was like walking down the school, you know, the the hallway at my school and I was (laughs) listening to this and I was just like, I I got not in trouble, but I got a look from the librarian. What line was it? Oh my God. Because I was walking and I said, buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But like, if, but the reason why I brought it up is that if you listen to that, if you listen to that record, it's recorded in the mid '80s. But a lot of the lines, I mean, my God, they they keep making jokes about syphilis and calling it Sif. I mean, who the fuck, whoever? I mean, that's, oh, that's so right. like 1977 in New York. You know, that's so it doesn't you know. But there's so many lines in that that are like. You can tell that a lot of the people in that audience are going to rock and ho- Rocky Horror to make fun of the faggots. You can just feel oh, yeah. it. You can feel it in that audience. And so that's one of those things that like people who've been going to Rocky Horror, there you know there's going to be a little a little contingent of assholes in there. But generally they 
they know they're going to get their asses kicked, so they keep their fucking mouth shut. Oh, I had one time, though, where I was at Oak Ridge. Oh, Oak Ridge. The first two times I ever saw Rocky Horror was at Oak Ridge. And my very first boyfriend. Oh, yes. That I called you about, yeah. who was playing Frank. There was some jock asshole in the audience that couldn't stop yelling faggot at the screen <sighs> that actually went there and punched my boyfriend in the face during the floor show and was kicked out of the theater. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, hello, America, and thanks for coming. My name's Seth. What's yours? Hey, it's Jamal. And Stony. Have you ever had Drag Race withdraw? You know the symptoms. Not enough glitter, eyelashes not staying glued down, and that red itchy rash that just won't go away. Uh, you should see a doctor for that. And the only prescription for your blues is more Thanks for Coming, the most magically gay podcast. With at least 150 podcasts, seven seasons of Drag Race coverage under our belt, and topical queer discussions, there's a little bit for everyone here. That's right. We're even featured on Cosmopolitan's list of top seven RuPaul's Drag Race podcasts that spill the hottest tea. Join us every week as we bring you a fun recap of the latest episode of whatever season we're covering. It'll make you feel like you're back on the couch discussing the latest episode of Drag Race with all your friends. Stop by thanksforcomingpodcast.com For links to listen on your platform of choice, links to all of our social media and recent happenings. Oh, what are you waiting for? Go check us out, Hanny. Thanks for coming, a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. But you know, it's like that, that kind of brings to mind other things like especially when Star Trek Discovery started because openly gay characters, um, you know, like women running shit, you know, and most of them aren't white, you know, and it's like, and people are like, Ugh, oh, Star Trek's going to be all PC now. And it's like, have you met Star Trek? Oh, I know. Have you ever seen Star Trek before? For God fucking sake, from the from day one original series, that show was the most progressive thing on television. Oh, yeah. And, but what about, and then what about all the Xena fans back in the day? Oh. That were all offended by the subtext. Oh, like how dare you suggest that there might that Xena might be a lesbian? It's like, have you oh, seen Xena? It's like, okay, fine. You know, I remember because back in the news groups, we had to make um there was an alt.tv.xena, but then there was an alt.tv.xena dash subtext, so that there would be a place. Not that the, the not that the main group was subtext free. But there was an understanding that if you wanted to have conversations only with people who 100% believed the lesbian subtext and that they were absolutely lovers, there was another group you could go to so that you could be assured that no one would attack you there. Because how dare you? And it was like, God damn it. it at least consider it fun. At le- you know, even if you're not obsessed with the oh, idea. Oh, yeah. At least consider that it's, especially because the creators of the show 
clearly were putting little winks and nods into the show going at see that ladies <laughs> oh totally know, totally and that's but there i remember that, that, that i remember there was a lot of homophobia in online xena fandom oh my god well not a lot but more than but one would expect to notice yeah but it's like i almost wonder like if it was to happen today would there be less because folks are more woke. Although I think the people who, the people who are just against anything good uh, are louder and more obnoxious than they used to be. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but it really, it's, I mean, it's all, it's all fandom. I mean, when I found out that there were furry Nazis and I mean, just that freaks me out. I mean, just Google that shit. It's, I mean, how, I mean, of all possible subsets of fandom, when you get into furry land, those are the sweetest, nicest people ever. I know, and just like the whole furry culture is sexual freedom and personal expression, yeah. and inclusivity. And I'm not saying everybody is gay or lesbian at all, but I'm saying part of the culture is to accept all of that. Right. So yeah, what the fuck? And like create if you create if you go so far as to create a persona for yourself, you're it's like you're expressing, you are choosing a way to present yourself to the world that maybe you aren't doing in your real life because the furry community accepts everyone. And the thought that there would ever be and I can't I I don't I can't explain it because I can't even begin to understand it. Yeah, but I didn't read anything about it. I heard about it from you, so explain the whole Nazi furry thing. Because oh my god. Um, there I think it was, was it? It I can't remember if it was Conference or Fur Affinity. I can't remember which major, major, major fur thing. But it just sort of there was some rumblings and. I think it started I think it started online but it was like an online thing that happened like right as leading up to the actual event and mm-hmm. it became I don't remember details because like I said when I don't understand something it's really hard for me to commit it to any kind of memory because I if I have to like understand things to to be able to explain them but like I think it was all like suddenly all these furs that had gone to which whichever con it was forever were like afraid because they were they were realizing that there were people in their midst that might secretly be harboring some bullshit and might now be mm-hmm. getting really really angry and I think this all happened right around the time when Trump went into office when all of a sudden really? all the assholes got left. Don't say. I think the timing was, <laughs> you know, perhaps it was coincidental, but I doubt it. Uh, connected oh, with that. Oh, yeah, don't say. I mean, you know. But th- that was probably the most surprising just because furs are so utterly sweet. Like, no matter how kinky they might, some of them might be. In essence, they're kinky in the sweetest and most oh, yeah. adorable kind of way. <laughs> but I gotta wonder, just to play devil's advocate, and this is not this discussion is not going in this direction because this could be a whole two hour thing that we're not getting into now. <laughs> okay. Um, but just for food for thought for you or for anybody that's listening, to be devil's advocate, 
how much of that is real and how much of it is hyper PC bullshit. Because remember, we talked about the whole Pantheacon thing. Oh. And that alleged scandal and blah, 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 blah. Right. And really what that was is it was 98% hyper PC bullshit. That was by so a handful much, of people. How much of it, you know, that that's what I'm just questioning. Well, I think, so, you know. I think the, but one thing I'm like 98% positive of is that when they, when they said that people were Nazis, it wasn't just that they were being jerks. It was that they like fucking hate the Jews. I mean, like... See, that's so fucking scary and weird. Yeah, okay. It was actual Nazism. Yeah. But, you know, the, but it's a fair question. Yeah. You know. But, like, it's even... It's a fair question. And, again, someday we'll go into all sorts of QAnon things because we've both gone down rabbit holes on that. But, like, even the QAnon thing has its roots in utter anti-Semitism, which I only so just weird. recently had it explained in a way that's like, oh, my God, that totally is like 12th century Jew hating stuff. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. I don't even understand that. You know, von Lichtenstein is very anti-Semitic. Oh, I don't think I knew that. I mean, I don't even understand it. It could be like, we're having a conversation and well, this wouldn't have happened in the bank system if it wasn't for those fucking Jews. Cause you know how they are. Wow. I had I'm no like, idea. Where the hell is this coming from? Yes, yeah, so it's really anyway. Oh my god, I had no idea. I had not a clue. I have no idea where that comes from, but again, not for this episode. Wow. Not forever. Right. I never want to talk about that, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah, the people are like that and it's really weird. I don't get it yeah. at all. Yeah, I can't I can't even begin to get Spike, we can give them a drop that they could plan out their yes, shows. Yes, I think we've uh, got to find some time and get get time to do, do that. Right now. I think we should do it right now. Look, I'll show you how easy it is. Spike. <laughs> Watch this. I'm just going to do it live. Okay, do it live. Like that bloke screams. I'm just going to do it live. Watch this. Hi, this is Dr. Dan from the Two Skeptical... I can't do it now. I can't speak. <laughs> Too much pressure. I'll try again. I'll try again. I'll try again. Take 52. Hi, this is Dr. Dan from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, and you are listening to the most bitchin' boutique... That was easy, wasn't it? Okay. They could send us one. We could play it in ass. Yeah, yeah. Right, you do it. Yeah. Right. Off what you do go. you want me to say? Whatever, whatever comes to mind. Hi, this is Spike from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, who ain't no bitch, but you're listening to the Bitch and Boutique. Oh, that was good. I think I hope they use that. Let's see if they cut it. Diplomatic community. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just furry fandom or other groups. Yeah. Um, Star Wars fandom. Ugh. I've seen it. I've seen it in Doctor Who fandom. Like this weird. Oh, yeah. Like right wing weird shit There's that you don't of... think that's going to be in fandom, but it is now. Right. Yeah. It's like all they have to do is uh, suggest that. That maybe when people regenerate, they could change sexes or maybe change races or something. And people are like, well, no, that's not possible. 
That's what I was referring to. Yeah. Like, all the pissed off Whovians over the doctor being a woman. I can go from a tall, skinny, blonde guy, uh, and then a couple years later, I'm like a short Scottish guy, and then a couple years after that, he's like, it's like, oh, you can change everything about your appearance except your genitalia, which is only alleged anyway, because I bet the doctor doesn't even have genitals. But, you know, it's like, I know, but that's, yeah. And the shade I just of remember their skin. that people Please. were like, well, I'm never watching this show again, and I've been a fan for 50 years. And like, really? Uh-huh. I mean, remember <laughs> remember when, when uh, Peter Capaldi was announced, people are like, they're going to let him have a Scottish accent? And it's like, yeah. And there Ugh. were people who were like, well, that's ruining the show. It's like, okay, if you're that fucking sensitive, then good luck having a woman. Or even having a black woman, because that's, we've gotten that far, but you haven't been watching, so you don't know. But anyway, but yeah, it's weird. Like, all you have to do is announce that possibly something might be, oh, we're going to have a strong woman character. Or, oh, look, we're going to have, it's going to be like this now. And then everyone freaks the so, fuck out. Yeah, and, and and you told me something about, was it Star Wars nazis or star wars oh i remember what it was okay you sent me an article or you sent me a thing and there was a big long discussion about all these people that are pissed off because they think the empire is great right and they're a pro-empire right and well what's wrong with the empire the rebels were the ones that were creating all the havoc and blah 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 if they blah, would blah. just fall into line there would be no problem and that was so like parallel to what's going on in our <laughs> right now if you would just sit down and shut up and let the fascists be in charge everything would be fine what i know it's just like <laughs> oh my god and but i thought about it and i was like well in star wars there's really no direct evidence that you see of the Empire's brutality, other than hearsay, and they're basically depicted in a very Nazi way, so that it's so we yeah. have a visceral reaction to them. But yeah, <laughs> but the fact that Vader, Darth Vader, uh, yeah, we know who Vader is, <laughs> tortured <laughs> Leia. Yeah, that just right there is proof that they're not. You know what right. I mean. That right there is proof that they are what they're depicted to be, even though right. they didn't graphically show, like, mass murder. But you know there was mass murder, and you know there's probably concentration camps. And they created a the Death Empire. Star. They created a Death Star. A, a thing to the size of a planets, moon yeah. that could move around and blow up a planet. But to me, it's like it's like these conservatives saying, well... You better put those liberals into place. Let's get this Death Star out there. Let's kill those faggots. Yeah, it's just like you it's know. just like walking around, walk you know, going going into the Wendy's with your automatic rifle. Which what well, what I have a legal permit to carry this. It's like, sir, this is a Wendy's. You know, it's like just can people just eat? They don't have to know that. You know, you don't have to act like, well, I have to be able to shoot you just in case. It's that the show of force nonsense that like fascist yeah. regimes will have like the big parade. Like, look at all the tanks we have. Exactly. You know, it's that, but on a, a human level. Yeah. It's like the Death Star is so, look how big my dick is. Yeah. And it's <laughs> weird that it's like that showing up in fandom. And to me, that's Trumpism. 
showing up in fandom. It's very, very weird. Yeah. They, it's almost like, now granted, you can say it's sort of some weak storytelling early on because they really don't go into, well, what do they actually do? But this is something that, that was really fascinating to me that I saw the other day, which kind of blew my mind. Like, you know, in the seventies and early eighties, when the original trilogy happened, the empire was just sort of this Nazi regime sort of thing without a lot of explanation. But then when you go into the prequels, all of the bad shit starts from, and this is actually the thing I actually liked about Phantom Menace was that everything was cool until a bunch of like, trade people started bitching about like trade agreements and then it was oh yeah and then before you know it there's like a fucking war and then a dictator takes over and it's like wait what what just happened because that's the reality of how shit happens it's the filth of capitalism right there (laughs) exactly and so in the like in the 90s that's you know or like i guess when did when the hell did Phantom Menace come out? I guess early two thousands. Now that I think about it. Oh God, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know. I think so. Yeah, because I was already I was already married to my husband. I was so. living at the duplex, so yeah, it was the two yeah. thousands. So like in the two thousands, the political stance of that trilogy, and then we have the the la- the later sequels, the four the seven through nine, which is basically all the ills in the universe, everything that's wrong in the galaxy is because of emo, whiny white boys. Yeah. Which is fucking true. Which also was the original problem with Darth Vader is that he, you know, the, the everything went to hell because, because someone who had some powers was sad because his girlfriend didn't say, I love you every time yeah. he said, I love you. And therefore we all have to suffer. But I was going to say something about, you know, my beautiful fuck bunny Anakin. Of course. Um, (laughs) You know, at the time, politically at the time, when Anakin had gone and killed everybody, like in the Jedi Academy or the Jedi College or whatever the fuck it was called. You know, the the women, the children, the kids, everybody. Right. That was horrifying. Oh, yeah. And that pretty much solidifies that, you know, yeah, the Empire is an evil thing. Right. If you didn't know it before, you fucking know it now. Yeah. But nowadays, with the rise of what's going on in our country, but not just in our country, like everywhere politically. Right. People see that as a good thing. People seeing it as, oh, that's fabulous. Let's kill those goddamn liberals. Or let's kill those socialists, or let's kill those communists. Oh, those Jedi's, think, they're just they're just religious freaks. Let's just kill yeah, them. I yeah, I think they're identifying with the Empire now, some people, because they're seeing the Jedi as like these liberal snowflake, blah, 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 all the shit that they call us. Right. It's interesting how that shifted. Yeah. The guy with the bigger gun is in charge, and that's how it should be. Kind but of if fandom is, if they're, if they're, I'm not saying fandom in general is shifting because I don't think it is, but if there's a faction in fandom that's going towards that, right? that's really, really, really scary. Yeah. Because that means how mainstream does that belief have to be if like fandom is exhibiting evidence of that thought? It, that's really frightening to me. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Because fandom was, I'm sorry, it was a haven for the creative, liberal, free-thinking... Outcasts. Basically the people outcasts. who were too awesome to be in polite society. We were we were too cool, so we had to go have our own little clubhouse somewhere. You know, but now, white supremacists, incels, Ugh. all those people... You know, the poor white people, you know, and the poor white trash women, Mm -hmm. they think they have the right to call themselves outcasts and to identify in that way. And that makes me mad, too, because I'm sorry, they're trash. They're not outcasts. Well, and they're, they're also people who think that they're being oppressed. And it's like, you have the luxury of calling a slight inconvenience oppression the yeah. fact that you're, the, I mean, and yet you call me a snowflake, you know, it's like, if you're slightly inconvenienced, it's tyranny and oppression, but people who've actually been oppressed, people who actually have things to be afraid of, we're, we're too busy just trying to get through our lives to, yeah. to worry about, you know, a five inch square of fabric. Or something. Yeah. I mean, I know that the, you know, this conversation goes like way beyond our scope right. and definitely beyond my knowledge. But it is surprising that it exists in a place where it should have been a but, safe space. Yeah, but it was just, yeah, exactly. It just scares, like, fandom has been like my safe space and it's safe space for people all over the place. Yeah. And it's weird that this thought process has become so, it's becoming so mainstream that it's even involving a safe subculture. That's really frightening to me. Oh, yeah. Like, back in the day, the worst things that you could encounter at a con, at, a, at an utterly nerdtastic event, is either a program waiver, <laughs> which uh. is what we call, it's always a woman in her late 40s, early 50s, and someone somewhere is smoking a cigarette. And she's got her con program in her hand and it's just uh, uh, fanning, fanning air away from herself because she thinks she smells cigarette smoke. That is that is a thing. Anyone who's gone to cons back in the day knows what I'm talking about. Back when you could still smoke inside buildings, because once it became an outside thing, it, it stopped program waivers, stopped being a thing, really. But the other thing that could happen is like the extreme gatekeepy thing where you know when someone is a true fan t-r-u-f-a-n when oh, yes. because that's like a special elite le- level of fan and if you don't know everything that i know about this thing then i shouldn't even talk to you because you don't know anything at all you know like you can like a thing and not like like for example I, I can always use Star Wars as an example. I fucking love Star Wars. I really, really, really do. But I think the fact that I was a little girl in the 70s who did not have all the action figures, that if you were a kid who had all the action figures, then you know every name of every fucking character who yeah. didn't even have fucking lines, but they were unique enough that so- looking that someone decided to make a doll of them. Yeah. You, the people who had the toys knew the names of all, of every goddamn droid and everything about them because they read the card, they read the back of the card that had all the information. And the rest of us who just watched the fucking movies, 
did not have that information. Yeah, see, I know I'm encyclopedic about the original trilogy because you were so into it. <laughs> yeah, but the but the but the prequel trilogy, I don't know. I mean, you love them, but you don't care about yeah. them, you know. Well, there's there's three different kinds of battle but droids. The prequel trilogy, I don't know all that nitpicky stuff, but then the new ones. I still haven't watched the last one. Uh, yeah, well, that's... I own it, but I still haven't watched I, it. And I honestly don't I know will, if we I own really it. I don't give a shit. I don't know if we own it. I, I, I don't... Uh, I'm not 100% sure we own Revenge of the Sith. Because generally those purchases are made by my husband. And he, even though he is very much a completist, like, why would you have, if there's eight movies... Why would you only have seven of them, even if you didn't like the eighth one? Whatever, yeah. I'm just picking a number. So I I don't know. And the thing was that when I saw, you know, I don't want to go into a whole Rise of Skywalker thing. But someday... Oh, no, we don't have to talk about the movie specifically. No. But, yeah. but someday we might have an episode where all we talk about is whether or not Last Jedi is a goddamn great movie and whether or not Rise of Skywalker uh. ruins everything. But is the Rise of Skywalker the third one? It's the it's the last last one. Okay, that's I I own it, but yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be compelled. I mean, but the thing was when I saw it in the theater, I I loved a lot of it. I mm-hmm. genuinely loved a lot of it as it was happening. But like a couple days later, I mean, I didn't there were a lot of things I was like, "Oh, really? That's where we're going? Oh, that's just dumb." But a couple days later, when I thought about it more, kind of like Phantom Menace, I saw it three times in the first 24 hours, and I was obsessed with it, and it wasn't until like a month or two later that I realized, yeah, that movie is about 30 minutes of great content. And then there's the whole rest of it. But yeah, Rise of Skywalker, because mainly it's it's more of a Carrie Fisher thing for me. It's like oh. knowing that they were able to do what they could do with every second of footage they had of Carrie Fisher yeah. so that Leia could actually really be in that movie. I mean, it just, every time she came on the screen, I wanted to cry. I just, I mean, everything. So I got, I, I had emotional attachments to that movie that I wouldn't have had if Carrie Fisher hadn't died. Okay. You know, but uh, in general, I, it, it kind of it pisses me off quite a bit. Yeah, because I didn't watch the third one because again, again, I'm much older now. It's not the most important thing in the world. It's not the most important thing, and you know what? And I think what really, really turns me off is that, and I may never watch it because all these articles that I uh, uh, that all these interviews that I read with whatever the fuck the actor's name that plays Finn. Oh well, yeah, that's yeah. I just. I spent so much time screaming at the computer screen, shut the fuck up, John Boyega, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. Is it John Boyega? Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, shut the fuck up. I don't even want to see the movie now because I think you're a dick and you need to shut the fuck up. It's, you know, I, it's like, <laughs> And you yeah, know what I'm talking about, no, I, right? No, I do. And it's, it's like, there's no way to talk about it without talking about what happened and whether or not... Ryan Johnson was allowed to do what he did in Last Jedi, oh. and whether or not, because a handful of fanboys were upset, uh, 
that meant that we had to retcon the whole fucking thing. We had to pull a goddamn George Lucas and retcon everything uh, yeah. and pretend and like movies like... didn't exist when they do and then just go, well, anyway, this is the story I was telling five years ago and just go back to some nonsense. And it's like, okay, we've already established all these other things and you're just pretending. Uh, yeah. Like and so that right there just makes me like, okay, I didn't you know, yeah. that's stupid. And I understand if someone felt their character had a certain arc and then it was just dropped. That's legit. But the problem with that is not the problem, but that that's a much bigger problem than a personal. Yeah. But I thought I was going to have more lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how about the fact that we established a beautiful, wonderful new character in number eight and in nine, I think she's on screen for two and a half minutes and she doesn't actually do anything. I, and it I was know. like she was the cool she was the future of the rebel of the rebellion and fuck her we don't like her anymore because she's a woman and she's asian and yeah i said it you know people either know what i'm talking about or they and don't that's what made and that's but then again that brings something that we were talking about too about how there's filth in fandom now yep because they would have included her more except she got so much hate mail from literally a handful of people. Because she's like yeah. a chunky Asian chick, and how dare she not be this model perfect she, chick? She turned. She just. She got rid of all of her social media because people were attacking her constantly. That is some filth and fandom right there. Yeah, there's and nothing wrong with her. There's everything wrong with them. Yeah, it's absolutely shocking. Yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, and it's, I'm sorry, fandom is. For fans, it's not for mundanes, and yeah, there's too many mundanes that think they have the right to be fans. I just that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just mund- there needs mundane to be filth. A- yeah. Yes. God damn it! But anyway, yeah. that's we can't even go into any of that. Yeah. But, yeah. but it but it all circles back around to if it hadn't been for the filth. Because the filth, it's like you can you can say, well, this movie isn't my favorite. Like, yeah. like, like a movie comes out and you know it's part of a series and you know it's a continuation of a, of a long story that's been going on since you were a kid or whatever. And you go, eh, I would have liked it better if it had been this way. But then you go on with your life. Yeah, You don't exactly. have to love everything. You know, and but just because you don't like it doesn't mean you get to get on the Internet and scream at actors and tell them they suck because they're in a movie you don't like. And you don't you don't get to create this illusion that your opinion matters so much that when they make the next movie, they try to appease you. And somehow that happened. Yep. And that to me. Just the fact, I mean, even if you get rid of a, like, a lot of the details of it, the general concept of, well, we need to, we need to appease the incel fanboys, um, that right there is a complete slap in the face of everything the Rebellion stands for. Oh, absolutely. For. It's like, that is some pro-Empire shit right there. Oh, Yeah. You know? And it's just, anyway, yeah. 
I'd be interested to hear if people, this might actually be something people might write to us about. Oh my God. I would actually you know, love it. I'd love to I would love to do it, a whole you know. episode just about Star Wars. I would love, I mean, we kind of did once before we did, what was it? A uh, toilety like Tatooine or whatever it was called. No, Something like that. no, no, it was actually, the episode was called scum and villainy, but in that That's episode, right. you coined the phrase toilety like Tatooine uh. because we talked about how, how the fuck are all, all, almost every planet in the galaxy, a goddamn desert because they filmed in Tunisia in 1974 right. or whatever. And so therefore, um, all planets have to be deserts. And to go along with that, yeah, everyone should go back and listen to that episode. It's really good. But we complained yes. about like, <laughs> so you, you're living in a society where everyone can fly a goddamn spaceship, but everyone lives in a fucking mud hut. Right. In a sandy environment <laughs> and where there's no glass on the windows or everything. I mean, like nobody has goddamn air conditioning. <laughs> And they have to like they work in salt mines, and yet they can fly spaceships. But you know, it's like I, you know, my favorite thing to that is. But we love Star Wars. Re- That's the thing. I remember Tom Baker mm-hmm. said one time when somebody, you know, asked, you know, some asinine question dealing with the goddamn science. Oh, the- in some episode <laughs> of Doctor Who. Oh, my God. You know, goddamn science. We're literally please. talking about a show about a fantasy show about time travel. And you want to argue science? Yeah. <laughs> and Tom Baker was like, well, it's not science fiction. It's science fantasy. There you go. And I thought that was the perfect thing. Exactly. And to me, that's what it Star Wars. It's not science fiction. It's science fantasy. Right. And I mean, if you want, if you want sciencey science fiction, read nothing but Arthur C. Clarke. I mean, if you want it to be all sciencey, and then shut up about everything else because the rest of it isn't for you. Then it's for us. And I've I've tried to read sciencey stuff, and I literally like stop reading the books because right. I can't. As soon as I hear, as soon as I see jargon or a technical term. I throw the book in the trash. And it can be argued that Star Wars um, and even Star Trek to a point, although Star Trek gets a little more sciencey later on, but like Star Wars is barely science fiction as it is. It's just a Western set in space. Yes. It's, it's a it's samurai movie say. for fuck's sake. It's not even like, you know, and I think I, I understood Tom Baker's point. Yeah. But maybe it would have been more appropriate to say it's space fantasy. Right. Which, when he said it's science fantasy and not science fiction, everybody knew what he meant. Right. Because, like, you know, you know bug-eyed monsters from outer space movies from the 50s, you know, people aren't like, oh, well, those are clearly, you know, hard science. You know, it's like, it's just a monster Ugh. movie. It doesn't, they, the fact they come from another planet is like if they came from the bottom of the sea. It's no more science fiction just because there's a spaceship involved. I know. And there's nothing that interests me least than goddamn science in my fantasy. <laughs> you got your science in my fantasy. <laughs> anyway. Filth in fandom. Fuck them. Fuck the film and fandom. Th-
Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, please take a moment to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Bitchin' Boutique sticker. Everyone Everyone loves loves stickers. Please subscribe or add us to your favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers get new episodes first and are also more attractive. Drop us a line anytime at pitneyandamelia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. say something about you know my beautiful fuck bunny anakin of course you did say fuck bunny right not buddy i I said fuck bunny Bunny. yes okay yes that's very yiffy of you yes (laughs) but